You are now entering the Bloodless. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello. Hello. You're on the Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm your other co-host, Jason T. Gapney. And welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another week on the Bright Side. With Kevin and Jason. That's us. Yeah. Kevin. And Jason. On the Bright Side. <laughs> it's so bright. I'm blind. <laughs> it's a little too bright. I mean, but actually the temperature has come down. Yay. We're down to like 75s and 7s. But I can still be naked and comfortable. Congratulations. So I'm winning. It's really ideal for you. Yeah. <laughs> really awful for your neighbors. <laughs> Excuse you. Not the gay ones. They're, They're happy. They are blessed. Or the straight women. Hashtag blessed. They're doing fine. Yeah, it's all contractors next door. Yeah. <laughs> so none right. Of, none of them are, well, actually some of them might be. Hot or gay or both? Uh, well, I haven't seen all of them. Okay, N- none of them are really. Hot. You're right. Potentially, some of them are hot or gay or both. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Jason T. Gaffney is a little miffed at the construction that goes on next door, and therefore he's just naked for them. Like, so you know, he'll walk to the he'll he'll just paint the room naked and like re- and have the windows open and be like, "You got a problem with it? Put up a fence." <laughs> <laughs> they put up a fence. <laughs> they did. They put up. <laughs> I guess they had a problem with it. I was in my not, skivvies. Not your problem. To be though. fair, okay. I, I was in a banana hammock. <laughs> uh, well, wonderful. Um, I, it's it's great to be back here. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I love that we're recording now, and then I'm 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 jet setting off to uh, to go see my family for a few days. I so love it. Hello, family. Of, yep, I'll be out of town. Um, I feel over vacationed. Right now. Yeah? Yeah, because we did Disney World. Yep. We went to Palm Springs, you and I, together yep, with our husband. which was fun. And now, I've also gone to Disneyland one day last week, <laughs> and now I'm going up to relax with my you know, parents for a few days. Spoilers, they're taking you to another Disney. Oh my god, a third Disney <laughs> in the imagine? central coast of California. Yeah. It's literally just a room where they put on like a Mickey cartoon, and they're like, it's, it's <laughs> like central coast. Disney. <laughs> right, but they've got the silly straw, the Disney-shaped straw, yeah. the Mickey straw. So you're fine. So that's cool. Uh, and then we have uh, some fun news that we can pro- finally we can talk a- about. Yeah, right? we can definitely talk about it. Yeah, uh, so Analysis Paralysis, the movie we did together, is going to Palm Springs as well as Chicago. Yeah! Woo-hoo! We're going to go back to Palm Springs. I know, like, can't wait. Under a month from when we were there last time. Hey, I love Palm Springs. I do too. I want to buy a house there. there. I know you did. Well, yeah. Matt wants to buy a house there. To retire to? Or just to have? No, no, no. Just to bounce back and forth. Because I, bl- I, you you guys seem like the kind of people who could retire at, like, 40. No, I'm not going to retire. Not because you have money, but because you're old men. <laughs> <laughs> you just act old. <laughs> I could see you in Palm Springs. <laughs> you spit on me. <laughs> I love you both. Dearly, you know that. I love you too. Don't you're, spit on me. <laughs> you're my oldest friend. Oh, I spit on you? <laughs> yes. I thought you spit on you. No, you just spit on me. I'm sorry. That's what happens when we look at each other now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love Palm Springs, too. I just hope nothing explodes while we're asleep this time. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that was was scary. That was Um, scary. But, you know. Uh, I have a results of a poll. Oh, did... Oh, 
What was it? It was a poll back for um, the uh, Orchid Delirium episode. Okay, all right. And I forgot to mention it last time. Okay. And uh, but we have astounding results. Okay, terrific. So with zero percent uh-huh. was hot. Well, oil. what was the poll? Oh, the poll was uh, how if you had to die. Uh, right, d- plant hunting in uh, Victorian times. How okay. would you like to die? Right, and I, I also mentioned uh, if you have a, your own answer that's other uh-huh. to write it, uh-huh. and uh, and we'll mention the best one. So with zero percent uh, was hot oil. Okay, that makes sense. Forty three percent was tiger. W- wanted to die by tiger. Yeah. Okay, given a choice. Fourteen um, percent was drowning. All right. Ooh, that's um, like my last. Oh, that sounds horrible. And forty three percent was loss of penis. Sure. Yeah. Forty three. So equal was, amount for yeah. tiger and loss of penis. Yeah. And I was um I was truly shocked that no one picked hot oil. <laughs> really? I would have figured that'd be quicker than any. No, other hot one. oil and drowning are definitely the worst ways. In that situation. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. What was the best... Other one? ...suggested way to die in Victorian times? Ah, it came from uh, the Twitter handle of Hobbit Hobbit. Okay. From Kiwi Hobbit. Okay. Uh, And it was dysentery, pooping yourself to death. Yeah. Yeah, that's what dysentery is. And I really feel like that would be my choice. Yeah, I believe that would be your of, choice, of actually, about a bunch. Yeah. yeah, I just feel like me screaming as shit is flying out of my ass is the way to go. <laughs> Ah! Well, I know that makes me want to go. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of that. Okay, gotta go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you pick one? What did you pick? Uh, I went loss of penis. You went loss of penis. I was yeah. I, mm-hmm, yeah. So you would be willing well, to die. In my mind, though, it was the tiger that did it. The tiger took my penis. Okay. A dingo ate my baby, and a tiger took my penis. <laughs> <laughs> but that. But if it just took your penis. Then you wouldn't necessarily die. No, no, and it and it, it, it made me die. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was a double. Yeah, it was it, a twofer. It was. Yeah. You got I think I voted for both <laughs> with with my two Twitter handles. You, I voted for oh. one of each. <laughs> you have a second Twitter handle? Yes, it's at real Donald Trump. Oh, <laughs> there's a J in there. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Uh, is anyone really sorry about him? I'm really sorry about him. It's true, yeah. yeah. World. Guys, I apologize. But speaking of the world, thank you to all our international listeners. Yes, indeed. We've got uh, people listening in, uh, if you're listening in Canada, if you're listening in the UK, if you're listening in India or Singapore or Uganda. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And anywhere else. Thailand, I think we've had some people. So, yeah, we're we're going we're going global. I know. I love it. I'm waiting for Australia. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one in Australia. There is? One in Australia that I know of. Yay, Australia! Uh, yay, welcome, guys. Wait a minute. Australia, Australia. Uh, oi, oi, oi. Good day. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, let's jump into the episode today, yay, right? Yay, uh, Yeah, that's enough about us. <laughs> so we will be talking about a tragedy, as we always do. Jason T. Gaffney has researched and is bringing in some... Thing that he says this week is going to be uh, something of a barn burner, so that's yeah. exciting. Uh, but before we get there, we're going to talk about the bright spot the way we do every week. Give me good news. And this week, the bright spot is Maddie Wilford. Maddie Wilford is a student. She was a student at. She is a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in okay. Parkland, Florida, and she was a victim of the shooting in Parkland, Florida. Did she lose her life? Or no, she was she shot. Sur- she survived a few times in the arm and torso and chest, and she did survive. Wow. Thanks to the help of uh, the people, the emergency room doctors, and all of the staff at Broward Health North. That's really? where she was taken. And the bright spot this week is that right now, she is interning 
at Broward Health North. No way! She wants to become a doctor. Oh. And the way that she's responded to the shooting and its aftermath is going to that hospital and interning. She's sitting in on surgeries. She has already seen some of the surgeries that helped save her life. Wow. She's clipped sutures, and she's watching that process happen, and she wants to become a doctor because of the work of those people who saved her life. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. So, yeah, Maddie Wilford is our bright spot because, my God, what a hero. To take a tragedy that happened to you like that, an, an unspeakable tragedy in your own life, and to want to go ever back into a hospital again. Like, right, <laughs> if yeah. that happened to me, I'd probably never want to return to a hospital. Yeah. But she not only is okay with that, but she wants to turn around and help other people yeah. because she knows the impact the good, it can make in, in a person's life. The good that they can do. Yeah. Maddie Wilford. The bright spot this week. Thank you. I like that. that. Yeah. Thank you, Maddie. Yeah. Thank you. You're a fucking hero. Yeah. Well, our story is not about a hero. Good. <laughs> good. I would be. I would be disappointed if you had good news for me. All right. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we talking about this week, Jason T. Gaffney? All right. Sunflowers. Oh, that sounds lovely. The Starry Night. Uh- Okay. One ear missing. Okay, Van Gogh. Yep. Hey. We're, we're talking about Vincent Van Gogh. All right. Yep. <gasps> That's fun. Yep. His uh, story is filled with tragedy. I know nothing except for the ear thing. I was thinking, okay, that's going to be a fun experience. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh-huh. I had, I would not even prepared <laughs> for the level of hell that I was going to travel to. <laughs> Yay. He well, was... that's what we come to you for. <laughs> so he was born on March 30th, uh, 1853. Okay. And he would pass away on July 29th. 1890, at the ripe old age of 37 years old. I'm older than Van Gogh was when he died. I am four years away. Shut up. You know what I just realized? I'm older than Van Gogh was when he died. People, what if I left behind? I'm having a serious (laughs) crisis right now. I also wanted to point out that I am the age that you were when we first met. I hate everything. I feel happy, though. I feel, like, completed, like we've come full circle. We haven't. I'm six years older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to tr- regress well, Time is years. not a circle, okay? <laughs> it's a downward line. Uh, I'm going up. For now, wait <laughs> six years. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. From what I always remembered reading about Van Gogh... Uh-huh. When I was in school, was that he was a starving artist who okay. wasn't worth anything until after he died, right? Mm-hmm. And to an extent, that's true. Starving, starving artist. <laughs> yeah, starry, starry night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, let's do it. Let's create a pop 40 hit no, about starving artist Van Gogh. There's already been a song about Van Gogh. Vincent, Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent, <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh. Starry night. <laughs> yeah, you did it. You're well done. <laughs> <laughs> remix version. All right, so he was born into an upper middle class family, though, even though he was poor. Okay. Um, later in life. Oh, I see. Okay. So <laughs> the idea that like like an upper middle class family has like a poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't give him any. They're, they're like, uh, the doctor comes in. Uh, I have some good news and bad news. Yeah. It's a healthy baby boy. The bad Unfortunately, news. Unfortunately, he was born poor. Yeah. <laughs> we can't fix that. <laughs> So, um, he would be the oldest surviving baby to be born into the Van Gogh family. Okay. Theodorus Van Gogh, his father, who was a minister, and Anna Cornelia Carbentus, his mother. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay. Would name him both after his grandfather and the dead older brother who died as a stillborn a year earlier. That's so like heavy. Yeah, and I'm like, maybe don't use the same name as yeah. your dead baby and your grandfather. Or this was like he's like take two. Yeah. Jeez. He didn't go as well. Oh. Like he's. I mean, he lived longer. Sure, but he was poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also got to give mad props to those people for the fact that they're like our baby was a stillborn, but, like, here we go. Let's just get right back on the wagon. Well, Pop out another one. You know, it was a different time. So, uh, Van Gogh's mother came from a very wealthy family. Okay. So she was extra devastated when he was born poor. Sure, I <laughs> skips a generation. <laughs> what has my vagina produced? <laughs> Put it back. Put it back. It's not fully developed. Weirdly, that's not the first time Jason said that. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, his parents would go on to have two more boys, Theo, born on May 1st, 1857, Mm -hmm. and Cor, with a C. Sure. And then three girls, Elizabeth, Anna, and Wilhelmina, who would also be known as Will. Okay. Will was known as an early feminist and would later die in an asylum after living in it for over four decades. Whoa. Anyway, let's advance back to Van Gogh. Okay. You get $200. Oh, thanks. Like Monopoly. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but just I'm, leave the 50-year-old insane lady in the asylum to die, and we'll just go back to her famous brother. I think Fine. she was like 80 or something when she died. Oh, whatever. Anyway, I'm kidding about you getting $200, by the way. You're not getting $200. I'm getting $200 eventually from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but not from Van Gogh. No. So, <laughs> all right, so his childhood was quite awful. Okay. His parents... <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> I just like the cheery way you said it. <laughs> his, so he had a terrible tragedy early. But... <laughs> his parents would send him away to a boarding school in 1864, and he really didn't like it. Okay, he felt rejected and abandoned by being sent away. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I can't say that I blame him. I've never been sent away to a boarding school, but I feel like they're probably... Like, if I didn't request it, Mm -hmm. I feel like they would have been like, why don't you want me? Your preppy little uh, snowflake school wasn't a boarding school. It was... No. You would go there every day? Every day, And come back every day. Yeah. Okay, cool. In my mind, it was also a boarding school. No. Okay. So, all right. All right. He petitioned his parents to bring him home. Do you want to know what their response was? Fuck you, but in Danish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, their response was to send him to a different boarding school two years uh, later. <laughs> they waited two years to do anything, and then they sent him to a different one. And they put him on a train, right? And it was going to their house, and they going but back it to his hometown. halfway. No, it passed right through the town. <laughs> they they waved. got all excited. They went, yeah, they waved. They're like, hoo-hoo. And it went to the next boarding school, yeah. and he was like, devastated. He was not happy. No, he mailed his ear back to them. <laughs> no, he wouldn't do that for years. I know. He'd already at this time started to find his footing as an artist, as a child, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, his mother actually encouraged him to draw. Mm-hmm. Leave it to a mom to see a child's potential. Even from hundreds of miles away. Yes. <laughs> she's like, you're doing great, dear. Oh, now she's a great Sincerely mother. Sincerely mother, dearest. <laughs> his mother was... Uh... Joan Crawford! Yes. Yay! The second school that he was sent to, however, had an amazing art teacher. So I'm assuming his mom was like, he knows how to draw. Let's send him there. He'll be happier there. Some thoughts, right? Okay. All right. So the art teacher was named Constant Cornelius Hunsmans, I guess. I'm fine with it. He was all about making art be about feelings rather than specific technique. Okay. He was like, feel the art. Okay. I want you to rub. Don't touch it. 
Did I never tell you about the time that Matt and I went to an art gallery in San Diego, mm-hmm. and he full-on touches one of the sculptures, and I was like, you can't touch the art. And he, and it's outside, right outside the entrance. And uh-huh. he's like, it's outside, it's meant to be touched. And I was like, no, you're never supposed to touch the art, unless it says, please touch. And the person inside who was at the desk overheard us as we walked in. She's like, your husband's right. You're not supposed to touch the art. Oh! <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wait, um, they're fine with it being rained on and shit on by birds, but you're not supposed to touch it? That was Matt's argument. Yeah, that's my argument, too. Fuck those guys. I think he was underneath it. I mean, the birds is the big thing. Feed the birds. Anything outside, I Tuppins can touch. Tuppins a bag. Nope, I can touch Tuppins. anything outside. Tuppins. Touch it. <laughs> touch touch all the art. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Van Gogh was so depressed and hated his life so much that even though he's with constant Cornelius Hungemans, uh, <laughs> that he wasn't able to really latch on to this and wouldn't fully realize his potential as an artist until later in life. Right? Okay. He would finally win and get to return home in 1868. Okay. It didn't really fix things for him, though, as he thought it would later. No, he was still poor. Yeah. (laughs) He would later write in a letter that his childhood was, quote, austere and cold and sterile. Gee. Okay. Yeah, it was like Mykonos. Yeah. <laughs> sounds sounds okay. Mykonos is pretty, though. Well, it's hot. I guess it's austere and hot and sterile. That's yes. 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 Get over here, <laughs> Grecian people. It, That's I'm the sound of Van Gogh's youth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the tender age of 16, his uncle, Scent, would get him a job as a rapper. What? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but his uncle's name was really Scent, and okay. I was like, what? Who names their son? Oh. I'm like, Scent. Like... <laughs> Is it like 50 Cent? Okay. Is his uncle? That's funny. Uh, all right. I know that was a stretch, but... Was. But his uncle did get him a job with art dealers. Okay. Rapping Deal- art, I expect? No, no, just art. So rapper was just a joke entirely. Oh, yeah. They don't have rappers back then. Well, I thought you meant rap. I'm not looking at the thingy. I thought you meant like a gift rapper. Oh, or no. Like a would, rapper like, like... Package things. Hey, I'm Van Gogh. I'm really slow. I like to eat chocolate dough <laughs> dough <laughs> chocolate chip dough yeah. <laughs> it only took two of us two white guys to make a mediocre rap mediocre is being very generous <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough couple days i'm giving myself this <laughs> i was born poor i need something <laughs> i need this so um the art dealers were called grupal and c that means and company Oh, yeah. It's French. Yeah. So it was an art dealership based out of Paris, France, Mm -hmm. but they had dealerships all over the world. His dealership would be in The Hague. Okay. Which is the capital of uh, Denmark. Okay. It isn't, but but it is where the International uh, Tribunal is. I thought I read somewhere. Maybe it was the capital at the time. I think The Hague, I don't know. It's important in, like, international politics now. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, good for you, Hague. Well done. At us, if you know what the Hague is. Hey, girl. Hague, girl. Yes. <laughs> In 1873, at 20 years old, he was done with the training that Grupal and C required of their workers, and he was off to work at one of their top locations in London. Okay. And he was suddenly doing okay. Okay. His job was lucrative. In fact, he was making more than his daddy. So look out, world. Oh, poor no more. Yeah. Okay. Hey, daddy, I'm going to make it rain. <laughs> Although it's his actual father, so that's weird. Right. Also, it was London, so it was raining anyway. Okay. Okay. But then mm. things would take a turn. Good, because mm. he was too happy for a second. He was like most young white straight men. Oh, hot? He felt... <laughs> <laughs> he was hot? 
It was hot and poor. No, most young white straight men are not attractive at all. Oh, they're all a mess. (laughs) And he felt entitled to the world and all of its dealings. Oh, that's how he was young and white and straight. Yes, got it. One such thing he felt entitled to was Eugenie Loyer. The thing was a woman that he was entitled to. Exactly. Okay. His landlady's daughter. Oh. He fell in lusty infatuation with her. Okay. And then told her of his feelings. She rejected him. (gasps) She was already engaged to someone else, and it was a secret. Okay. To her mama. All right, so that's very bad for Van Gogh, but I feel like that's very good for the art world. Yes. Okay. So we'll get there. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So it obviously didn't stop him from feeling the hardship of rejection. No. And what he did was what any logical person does when they get broken up with or rejected. He went to a support group and he moved on with his life. Right. He bought a box of Godiva chocolates, a bottle of wine, and took a bath while listening to the last five years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that was me when I was younger. Every time. Every fucking time. So, anyway, I'm sorry. (laughs) What I did was what a normal human would do. Oh, right. What did he do? He decided to withdraw into himself and become super religious to the point where his uncle and father got him a job transfer to Paris in 1875. Because he, like, lost his fucking mind. Oh, I see. But, like, it's not like, you've become super religious, therefore you need to go to Paris. (laughs) That's not something I've heard of. Oh, that's... Everyone knows that. Mecca. (laughs) Every time you're born again, you have to go to Paris. Oh, cool. I'm born again. Uh, I decided to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior into my heart. Can I go to Paris now? Wee oui, wee. Oui. Oh. He basically threw away all of his books except for the Bible. That's not a good sign. Uh, so <laughs> he was so distraught over the fact that his life had turned out the way it had that he eventually got fired from his job about a year later for his attitude. Okay. He didn't seem to understand why the art dealers were like treating the art like it was such a commodity. He would apparently... Was the art dealers yeah. were treating it like a commodity? Yeah. That... Yeah, he does not understand his job anymore. He, uh, he apparently told customers that the art was, quote, worthless art, end quote, and they shouldn't buy it. Okay, yeah, I mean, I can see where his employers might have an issue with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a stretch, but sure. And so after he was fired, he spent a gap year figuring out his life. <laughs> okay, yeah. good luck. Yeah, I'm kidding, he couldn't do that, he was what? poor. <laughs> He went back to London in 1876 and worked for free as a, quote, supply teacher at a boarding school in Ramsgate. Why was he working for free? Oh, for room and board, I guess. I guess. Okay. Um, The owner of the school would move and took the school with him to Islesworth. What, was it a portable school? How do you take a school with you? (laughs) He picked it up, put it on his back, and was like, all right, students, everyone strap down. It'll be a bumpy ride. He was a a wizard. He had the whole thing in his suitcase. Van Gogh followed. He had to. He was trapped in the suitcase with everybody else. <laughs> yep. He would then eventually lose that job, which is like, you know you suck when you get fired from a free job. No kidding. <laughs> and then went on to become a Methodist minister's assistant. Oh, great. He would return home to stay with his parents for a brief stint around Christmas later that year for about six months yeah. in 1876. Okay. Then he would go to Dorch Reich and would work in a bookstore. Okay. But instead of for doing... Money? Yeah. Or for words. Right. He was just, just, just words. He would pay yeah. me in just letters. He got really thin on the word diet. <laughs> and when people would read to him, he'd be like, oh, yeah. Just say food over and over and over again. Food. <laughs> I'm full now. Eggs. <laughs> Bacon. Uh-huh. Butter. I guess. I just came. (laughs) So instead of doing book work, however, he would either draw doodles or he would translate the Bible into multiple languages. Okay. Because that's smart. Thanks. Well, actually, I mean, that is smart. 
Like, well, no, I know he's smart. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, do your job. Okay. Do your job, Van Gogh. Okay. People can have their own creative pursuits, too, Jason T. Gaffney. Well, not on the clock. Yeah, I'm telling you this on our podcast that we decided <laughs> to create. So, no, um, you're right. Not on the clock. I don't think they had clocks so much. I mean, I understand there were clocks, yeah. but it's not like you punched in and out, you know? I feel like a bookstore clerk would have some free time then. I guess so. You're like, oh, I'm here reading the books. I mean, God, you, you, any retail person you see here is all—they're on their phones or reading a thing. No, anyway, I know. Here, so it's it's devastating. Tried and true tradition there. His roommate, while he was being the book guy, said that Van Gogh had become really religious and would eat very little and would avoid meat altogether. Mm. So he's become basically like a vegetarian millennial. Ugh. I mean, not the religious part, though, but the living at home and then going vegetarian. It totally is. He's eating only he avocado going toast, and yeah. he goes back to work. He goes back and forth to work on a bird scooter. <laughs> okay, the first time I saw those scooters down at UCLA, I didn't know what was happening, and I almost got run over by two of them. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is going on? Everyone's got this. What is... Did I wake up in an alternate reality? Right. And like then I got really excited because I thought maybe Hillary was president, but then she wasn't. That's what's new now is Hillary's president and there Everyone are scooters Everyone has a scooter, everywhere. yeah. I'll take it. Hey, shit, yes, absolutely. That's a much better reality. I'll get hit by a scooter every day if Hillary can be president. <laughs> so his family, watching him going fucking balls to the wall religious, were like, okay. <laughs> I guess he figured out what he wants to do. Oh, cool. So they were kind of cool with it. Oh. They sent him to live with another uncle of his, Johannes Stricker. <laughs> That's how cool they were with it. Please leave. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, so they sent him to Johannes Stricker, who was super respected in Amsterdam for his knowledge of theology. Oh, fine. So Van Gogh is getting ready for for the entrance exam to the University of Amsterdam for theology, right? Mm-hmm. He spent well over a year preparing for it, but he failed because he refused to take the Latin portion because he called it a, quote, dead language, and he he also claimed it was for poor people. Oh. Nobody told him he was born poor? No. <laughs> oh, my God. And he learned Latin for nothing. He was like those Midwest Republicans who think that they're rich. Wait, he thinks that the Latin is for poor people? Yep. What are you talking about? You can only learn it in, like, universities. Yep. That's ridiculous. So they were basically like, nope, you're not getting in. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm totally with him on the Latin is a dead language situation. Yeah, but with religion... I took Latin, a lot it of, is a dead language. A lot of I rel- killed it. <laughs> It was you! It was me. Basically, they, they told him he wasn't going to get in, right? So he failed that school, basically. Okay. So then he would go to school to become a Protestant missionary, but he would fail that three-month course. Wow. He just could not get it together. Wow. He doesn't know what he wants to do. All right. So we come to January 1879. Okay. He would then go to Petit Wasmez, I guess, to become a missionary. Okay. Despite the fact... He's still not done with becoming a missionary, despite the fact that he, like... Failed every missionary school he went well, that's, to. Well, that's one good thing about being a missionary is you don't actually have to have any training. Right. To, to spread God's word around the world. That's have nice. you heard the good news about my pinky? No. It's a really pretty pinky. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just pretty? That's the good news? It'll lead you to heaven. Oh, okay. I'll follow that. Sure. It's, it's heaven's my balls. <laughs> your pinky leads to your balls. <laughs> if you draw a really long, weird line, yes. It doesn't lead to your asshole? Like, <laughs> feels like a finger in a hole. What do you do with your balls once your pinky gets there? You did to what, go it poke it? <laughs> you can't even pinch a hair or whatever with one finger. Your pinky leads to your balls. <laughs> which are heaven. All right, that's where we are now. All right. So, 
So the, the funny thing about him, though, okay. is that he goes to be a missionary for these coal miners, right? Okay. And he's prob- he probably ended up being the most Christian missionary of that time because he basically gave up his comfortable house that he was given by the town's baker. Okay. Uh, and he gave it to a homeless person. Oh, wow. And then he moved into a hut where all he had was straw. Okay. So, like, he full-on was living the idea of being... I guess so. A, a religious leader. Okay. He would preach to the sick. He also drew family portraits of all the families. The townsfolk loved him. Okay. They called him the, quote, Christ of the coal mines. Jesus. Uh, Literally. The leaders of the church, however, they thought he was, quote, undermining the dignity of the priesthood. They thought he was, quote, overdoing it. He was, quote, making us look bad. <laughs> and so what they did was they fired him. Oh, goddamn! Really? <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, you're a little too Christ-like for us. Yeah. Thank you. We go, which, we're much more of the gods in heaven looking down kind of school. Yeah. We're much more about the, like, give us lots of gold so we can live with it. Give us your money and we'll tell you what not to do. Yeah. But don't, like, give your house up and then live on straw <laughs> when you're trying to make us look bad for. Yeah. What are you trying to do? Teach the actual teachings of Christ? Yeah, we can't have that. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of hitching a ride back home or anywhere, he walked to Brussels, a mere 47 miles away, then finally went home after his parents made a lot of noise. They okay. were like, you need to come home. Right. You come home. You got fired. Come home. They must have made a ton of noise if he heard them in Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> they were loud, okay? Yeah. He had helicopter parents. <laughs> Literally, they were helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> there was like, he's from the world of cars. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, it's Van Gogh! Yeah. <laughs> he's actually a van. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I totally missed that one. I'm so glad you caught that. That would I would have been so shamed. Oh. Uh, all right. all right, but here's the funny thing. He got home, and then his parents became annoyed that he was home. What? After they told him to They're come like, home. They're like, yeah, never mind. We forgot what you're like. And, yeah. <laughs> In fact, his father was considering having him committed to an asylum. Whoa. Because he couldn't keep a job. Because it went so well for the daughter. But his dad didn't commit him to an asylum. Okay. And Van Gogh went off to Cusme. In late 1880. What's that? A city in Belgium. Okay. And he lived with another miner. But not a miner, like, sorry, I realize how that sounds. <laughs> no, like a miner, like a coal miner. Whatever. <laughs> that's so uncomfortable, I really didn't mean that. Um, well, that's still weird, though. I mean, I'm going to Belgium and I'm going to live with a miner then. <laughs> what, what miner? Who's this person? His mother is like, what did I do to deserve such a poor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like something you just make up like you're gonna say i'm gonna go to belgium and live with the miners yeah <laughs> but he meant it yeah it was around this time that he really started to fall in love with art finally yep his brother theo would propose that he take it up as a full-time job and he told vincent that he would pay for him and support him if he did this. Okay. Van Gogh would take him up on this, and mm-hmm. he went back to school in 1880, because school's so good for him. Yeah, he's done so well there before. <laughs> First with the Dutch artist Willem Roloffs, who would suggest he go back to school, and then he agreed... Was he in school? <laughs> well, no, I was like, it's like preschool, like, tutor or whatever. Oh. And then he agreed, and once again, he went to actual school. Um, <laughs> I don't get it, but this, okay. This time... Wait, he's like, wait, I thought I was at school. <laughs> no, you need to go to school. I thought I was at school. <laughs> no, you need to go to school. Where am I right now? 
You're in Belgium living with a minor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I need to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm also, he was, this was his LSD period, too. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Everything's at school. It's so cold and austere. But the world's a school. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so, um, this time he went to the Académie Royale des Beaux-Arts. Okay. And he learned, quote from Wiki, quote, anatomy and the standard rules of modeling and perspective. Oh, okay. He became a model. Yeah, he became a supermodel. Oh, wow. Uh, this is when he met Heidi Klum. Oh, cool. And the two of them became tens. Oh, that's so nice. That's finally. I'm glad things are turning tens, up for tens, him. Tens, tens across the board. <laughs> he learned how to do a death drop. He was the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, until he lost his mind and then got banned from ever returning to RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, oh, exciting. All right, so back in uh, April of 1881, Mm -hmm. he would go back home again for a long visit with his folks. All right. But now he was drawing all the time. He started drawing his neighbors, and I'm assuming it was with their consent. He wasn't just peering in their windows. Let's assume it was, yes. Can you imagine? It's like, I'm washing me dishes. Oh, there's a man drawing me. Wash my dishes. I can't do Belgium accents. No, so you can't. It's do. fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Every, everyone is just weirdly cockney for you. <laughs> All right. So later that year, though, one of his first tragic women experiences would happen. Okay. Second, if you count the original. The landlady lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In August, his cousin, Cornelia Key Vostricker, mm-hmm. who had recently become a widow from his mother's side, would come to stay with them. Okay. She had an eight-year-old son at the time. I'm not sure if he was with her or if she was like, good luck, you're man of the house, bye. I don't think she was like, good luck, you're the man of the house, bye to an eight-year-old. I don't know. When her husband died. It's possible. And she moved away. She didn't move away. She just went on a vacation. Oh, fine. She's like, I have to get out of the house. He's everywhere. Okay. His ghost is everywhere. But I'm going to leave my eight-year-old child <laughs> with the ghost. He's a man now. Okay. He survived the plague. <laughs> he was born rich. He'll be fine. Yeah. She was seven years older than Van Gogh, mm-hmm. and he fell in love with her. And Uh-oh. her His cougarist cousin? ways. His cousin? She's a real cougar. Yeah, but right. she's a cousin cougar. Of course. Oh, dear. Especially after they took a ton of long walks together. Mm. Yeah, that'll do it in the 1890s. Yep. yep. So he did the only logical thing one does with their cousin. He told her that he was in love with her and wanted to marry her. And she responded with, quote, no, nay, never. Oh. Or if you're speaking Dutch, noot, nien, nimmer. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think I said it right. I think so. Uh, Key went home to Amsterdam shortly after that. Okay. His cousin. Van Gogh would then go to The Hague and met with his successful other cousin, or second cousin, Anton Mauve. All right. Mauve was making a living as an artist, and Van Gogh (laughs) wanted to be him. That's good. So he killed him and skinned him and wore him like a suit. What? No, I'm kidding. What happened? <laughs> oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm I'm I was over here like just excited that you're doing so many like foreign names. Yeah, like you know to some extent. <laughs> and then that happened. He killed him and wore him like a suit. What's happening? Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> Oh God! He became Hannibal Lecter. Oh, he wanted to be him. Yeah, I no. See. Okay, uh, but he did convince Mauve to let him stay with him and study with him. Okay, because every time he learns stuff, he does really well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But first, he needed to go home and practice for a few months. Hey, this guy should stop moving. So back so to home to Mama and Papa, Yeesh. he went. He uh, he couldn't get Key, his cousin, out of his mind, right? Okay. So he wrote a, quote, attack letter, end quote, to his uncle, Johannes Stricker, mm-hmm. and then left for Amsterdam <laughs> after her. Oh, what's an attack letter? I don't know. That it, Basically, Theo was like, yeah, he told me he wrote this attack letter to our uncle. <laughs> 
Okay. Anyway, he tried to meet with her often, and she would not meet with him. But he was not deterred. No, he, he should is, be. He is a straight white male, right. and he does not. He doesn't take no for an answer. He would win. He just uh. needed to prove that he was serious about his love, so he would put his left hand into a lamp's flame and said, quote, Let me see her for as long as I can keep my hand in the flame. End quote. Okay, so um, for five seconds? I guess, I don't let know. Let me see her for just five seconds. <laughs> yeah. Mine would have been like, let me see her for this two nanoseconds that I'm going to pass my hand through the flame. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to see her at that point. Yeah. Anyway. Let me, let me see her when she visits me in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing he was drunk because he, he, Van Gogh didn't actually remember how it played out. Oh. And he thinks that his uncle blew out the candle. <laughs> so, uh, Johannes. Yeah, like, cool. Yeah. You can see her for that amount of time. Yeah. Zero, zero time. Yeah. yeah. Johannes would later tell Van Gogh that he needed to stop this and listen to her refusal because he was unable to make a living. Not that they were cousins. That she wouldn't marry him because he was poor. I think it was a little different, you know. Back then? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's the whole kissing cousins thing. Yeah. That's a phrase people say. Do they still really say it? Well, maybe if they don't, they did. Okay. Is my point. They were kissing cousins. All right. <laughs> so, after this, Van Gogh went to study with his second cousin, Mauve, where, uh, which is where he learned about watercolor. Okay. Yeah. They would work together for a month before Van Gogh went home for Christmas. Okay. Uh, oh, God. His Christmas trips again. do not do well. <laughs> but this visit was one of his worst yet. Yeah, he brought a miner with him <laughs> this time. It was little Becky Two-Shoes <laughs> to live with at his yeah. parents' house now. Hello! It was like a little twist. I'm, I'm still little... living with a Belgian miner, but at your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your new miner. <laughs> he saved me from the priest. Oh, um, so it was it's worse because he argued with his dad the whole time. Okay. Like literally he gets there and his dad opens the door and it's like, what are you doing with your life? I don't even understand. And he's trying to sleep and, he, and dad's just like, now you're trying to sleep. What is with, with sleep? You should be making yourself a life. That's right. Uh, you're born poor and you're going to stay poor. Yeah. You defiled your mother's vagina <sighs> with your poorness. What? Co- Okay, that's a step too far, Van Gogh's father, because she had a bunch of kids after him, and they were all born rich. Yeah. So, yeah, you just step that one back, mister. <laughs> he also would not go to church on his trip. <gasps> right? He's a heathen now. I know. What a journey he's Then going he on. bailed on them and left to go back to The Hague. They're like, oh, we're so sad to see you go. Yeah. Get a job! <laughs> uh, he went back to Mauve, who understood him. Yeah, sure. The one person who really understood him. Well, he spoke Dutch. Other than his uh, brother, Theo. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's with Mauve, this guy who loves him and, and gets him. And a month later, he and Mauve would have a falling out. Mm-hmm. They had a fight over how to draw people and what to use as models. Van Gogh could only afford street people. Oh. And Mauve was like, that's no good. Huh? I don't want street people up in my house. I only have models who speak Latin. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, so he's like, don't get these street people in my house, friend. And Van Gogh was like, I need to learn, pal. And Mauve was like, I'm not sure I like your tone, buddy. And Van Gogh was like, then you're not going to like this, chum. (laughs) I love it. I'm I'm just watching this happen. (laughs) uh, uh, It's escalating quickly. And then about this time, he discovered oil paint. Oh. It was when he picked it up and flung it into Mauve's face. Oh, wow. No, he didn't do that. What? No. <laughs> He's like, you look beautiful now. I love that he discovered it as a weapon yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Mauve was like, do I look pretty? Um, <laughs> so he discovered oil paint, right? And he was like so excited about it because okay. it, oil came really easy to him. Really? Yeah. And then the second or third bad woman experience would happen for Van Gogh. Okay, but step back one second. 
He discovered oil painting? Yeah. It's 1890 fucking five or something. 1882. I don't know when it is. It's yeah. 1880s, right? Yeah. Oil painting uh, has been around. But he'd never done it. Well, okay. But ha- he's been an artist now for what? How long? 30 years? Not 30. You know, he's not 30. How old is he? When was he born? 50 years? He's almost 30 years old, right? So yeah. He, how is he just coming around to like fucking out, finding out that fucking oil paint exists? I, some people can learn their passion later in life. Fine. That's true. Look at Harrison Ford. Well, okay. He I'm started gonna... acting late in life. Okay. Look at Lucille Ball. I'm looking. She started acting late in life. All right, Van Gogh, you just go get it. Yeah. Right. But really, he did. He should have found it earlier. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. So between he, you and me, <laughs> he's going to the uh, his third ish bad ex- woman experience. Okay. Which would happen for Van Gogh? He would get gonorrhea. Oh. And then spend just under a month in the hospital from it. Well, it sounds like that bad experience was probably preceded by a pretty good one. I, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. It means he had sex. Yeah, well, cool. of some variety, yeah. Yeah, sure. A variety of sex. Well, either oral or anal or vaginal. He probably didn't have vaginal sex on his own vagina. Or earl. Oh. Can you do earl sex? Yes, let me show you. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then his third or fourth bad female experience would happen after the gonorrhea. Oh, boy. In 1882, he would meet Klasina Maria Sien Hornick. Okay. The alcoholic prostitute. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's oh, it was right in her name, Hornick. Yeah. So it's possible he got the clap from her, but hmm. it didn't say, so we don't know. Okay. Anyway, she was pregnant when they met, and she had a five-year-old daughter. Oh. But... He fucking fell for her and fell hard. Okay. He was all about her, and she became his muse. He mm-hmm. shacked up with her, mm-hmm. and Mauve, when he heard of this, stopped corresponding with him. Yep. He's like, you're with the whores now. And you're done. Yeah. Finally, uh, Van Gogh's dad learned about this arrangement and told Van Gogh to leave her. And Van Gogh was like, no, Papa, I love her. No, I love her. Yeah. But uh, she's my muse. You have to leave her. I cannot. She is wonderful. You need to get a job and you need to leave her. No, I'm with her as why well. I work on my accent. <laughs> you sound like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Mixed with Fozzie Bear. <laughs> he's working. He's honing it. <laughs> <laughs> um... All right, so he's like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm mm-hmm. going to stay. Namaste. <laughs> with her. Then he got really into yoga. Yeah. But then later in 1883, he left her and the kids. Oh. Yeah. Namago. <laughs> <laughs> so people aren't sure why he left her, if he loved her, but they suspect that he was like, you don't need to be a hooker now. And she was like, great. And then there was no money. And then she's like, hey, fam, I'm hungry and I need to hook now. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, no. And then he left. <laughs> Great conversation <laughs> between those two. <laughs> I love how they talk to each other. They're real chill. Yeah, they're chill. So, oh, millennials, she, you know. She would then give her kids to different family members to take care of them. And... You get a child, and you get a child, and you get a child. Yeah. And then she killed herself by drowning in a river in 1904. Holy fuck, man! <laughs> Okay. So, I wasn't ready for that. Yep. That's huh. what the rest of the story is going to be like, by the way. So okay, now I'm ready in. for that. Yeah. All right, so he would move to Drenthe okay. in September of 1883, and then by December, he was lonely and moved back in with his parents. Right, because he's been, like, he's been somewhere for, like, two months. He's like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. They lived in Nunen? Sure. Nunen. Nunen, yeah. Then his next terrible event with women would take place. Oh, God. First, he would be focused on painting and drawing, right? Because uh-huh. he's at home. 
Uh, and he did most of it outside. For five minutes, yeah. yeah. And because of that, in 1884, Margot Bejman, uh-huh. who was ten years younger than him at the time, enjoyed going out with him as he painted. And she would fall madly in love with him. Oh, in a twist. I know. He fell for her, too, but uh-huh. not as much as she had. Not madly. He not was, madly. like, irked. So they, they talked to both sides of the family, and they were like, we're going to marry. Mm-hmm. And the families were like, no. Uh, no, you're not. Why? They didn't want him to get married. Why? Both I, families? Both families. If I were his parents, I'd be like, yeah, please. Yeah. Well, they no. So Margot then responded by trying to kill herself. Oh. She OD'd on strychnine, Whoa. which I guess is a pesticide? Sure. Van Gogh was able to save her, though, by getting her to a hospital, and then the doctor saved her because he's not a medicine person. No, he's a barely an anything person. I know, but he saved her by getting her to the hospital. I guess. So he's, so he's a person with legs person. A savior. Okay. He's now Christ again. Sure. He does love prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's all right now. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, all right. So the next year, Van Gogh's father would suffer a heart attack and would die. I'm not really sad to see him go. So he would then stay with his mother. Or at least in the area, and he did a bunch of work with a darker tone to them. Okay. Probably because he just lost his father. Okay, sure. So, you know. Like, they didn't have the best relationship, but he's still his dad. Sure. Papa! <laughs> no, Papa! <laughs> we never got to go fishing, Papa! <laughs> I wanted to paint the fish! Fishing hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> This would be when his brother, the art dealer, Theo, would get interest from a potential buyer. A buyer for Van Gogh. Yeah. He would ask Van Gogh if he had anything ready to go, and Van Gogh would paint his first masterpiece, The Potato Eaters. Oh, goodness. I love potatoes. Sure. You should have posed for him. I know. Mm -hmm. I would have been naked with potatoes all over me. Wow. That's a different... As I'm eating one of the potatoes. Mm -hmm. So during this time, he was doing paintings of peasants... Mm-hmm. And it was not selling well. Oh, no. Theo well, said, peasants famously weren't buying them. Yeah. <laughs> and Theo said... <laughs> and the was, rich people famously were not looking at them. Yeah, they were like, that. why would I want to look at a peasant? I do my best to avoid them. That's right. Theo said that the paintings were also too dark. Um, and Van Gogh was like, it's my first masterpiece, Theo. Yeah. A dick. Thanks. Also, during this time, one of the young female peasants became pregnant. Mm-hmm. And the village priest told all the peasants that they could no longer model for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he impregnated one of the models. Yeah. Okay. And then the priest told them, the peasants, they couldn't go model for Van Gogh again? Yeah. My God, were there 15 people in this town? What is this? <laughs> yep. So okay. he left and mo- he moved. Gather all the peasants. I need to tell them something. Yes. Yes. Van Gogh, you can't see him anymore. But why? I have a mother. And he's going to fuck that. you. And we're not okay with it. Oh, oh. We're not okay with it. Are we sure I can't just do a little modeling? Not even a little modeling, no. Just, just a tip? Nope. Just Oh, come on, just a tip. Not even that. Oh. Even the tip can impregnate you. What we said before wasn't true. <laughs> what, if, what if we pull out in the last second? You know, that might work. <laughs> Let's give that a try. Everyone became pregnant. <laughs> so, because he could no longer get anyone to model for him, he left and moved to Antwerp. Okay. Here he lived in a state of extreme poverty. Oh, dear. He consisted on a diet of bread, coffee, and tobacco. He's a model himself. Yes. (laughs) It was better for him to spend his money on supplies, he basically decided. Sure. During this time, he wrote to his brother to say he wasn't eating hot meals and that his teeth were painful and were becoming loose. Oh. But he was happy. Okay. While he lived in Antwerp... (laughs) I'm doing... Oops. (laughs) I lost another one. Yeah. But I'm so good. Yeah. (laughs) 
So while he lived in Antwerp, he learned color theory and started to drink heavily again. <laughs> that's, that's a fun to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to learn color theory and I'm going to drink a lot. I'm going to jump right on. Item one, complete. <laughs> item two, blue. What the hell is colors? <laughs> he, uh... Okay, then it, he ended up in a hospital from February to March in 1886 uh-huh. because he might have had syphilis. Uh-huh. He OD'd on color, maybe. Yeah. Okay. He then attended the Academy of Fine Arts in Antwerp, where he got into many fights. With I the- know what I need? I need to go to school. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. I also probably should fall in love with a girl. Yep. I need to go and, and visit my parents and go to school and fall in love with a minor. Girl. <laughs> so he ended up going to the school, the Academy of Fine Arts in Antwerp, okay. where he got into many fights with the instructors about how to make art. Fuck you! Yeah. I can touch it if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot touch the model. Fuck she's you. a minor. And she's outside. She... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> The most famous fight was one with a teacher named Eugene Sibert, mm-hmm. who had instructed the class to draw the Venus de Milo. Okay. Right? And Van Gogh decided to make some alterations to the Venus and oh. made it look more like a Flemish peasant woman. Oh. Yeah. Eugene... I, I, who was, had arms this time. Uh, I don't think he had arms. I think he was just... Just an armless Flemish peasant woman. <laughs> minding her own business, being armless and a Flemish peasant woman. Ma'am, do you need help? No, I'm, I'm fine. fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm just being beautiful. I think that you you have some buckets at your feet, and I don't seem to be carrying them. I hop with one. <laughs> I... <laughs> okay, so Eugene was so offended at his defiance. Uh-huh. Flemish! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he took a crayon. He took a crayon that he had and made corrections on Van Gogh's paper. Oh, God, really? He started drawing on his art. Oh, my. He did it so forcefully that he ripped the paper. Oh, fudge. So Van Gogh then lost his shit. Yeah. And started screaming at him and screamed, quote, You clearly do not know what a young woman is like. God damn it. Wow. A woman must have hips, buttocks, a pelvis in which she can carry a baby. And arms for the baby carrying. <laughs> no, no. She got strong <laughs> hips. She'll just squeeze the baby in and carry them that way. Uh, oh Imagine like a, a womanless, a, a, an armless woman yeah. running after a child and just grabbing them with her legs and then slowly skirting back. I mean, it's better than a womanless arms. Yeah. <laughs> just crawling on the ground. <laughs> and that's creepy. She comes over, caresses you. <laughs> Wow. Um, so it's unclear if he was expelled or if he finished classes or just left the school. But we do know that in 1886, he moved into Theo's apartment in Paris. Without Theo's knowledge. Exactly. Oh, wow. Cool. Theo was not expecting him. <laughs> and he showed up unannounced and he was like, hey, boo, we're roommates now. Wow. And Theo was like, I'm not going to kick you out, I guess. So. Oh, I would have. Van Gogh's talent would grow during this time. Mm-hmm. And the brothers would fight almost to the point where they could not recover. But then they did, oh. and then Van Gogh moved out. Oh, good. Well, that's a good timing, I yeah. think, for that. Yeah. They made up. They're like, I hate you. I hate you, too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Me, too. I'm going to go. Okay, bye. <laughs> 
So Van Gogh moved to like a district of northern Paris. Okay. And he started meeting other painters and making friends. Finally. One friend that he met was Paul Gauguin. Yeah, the painter. Okay. In uh, 1887. All right. But he wouldn't become a bigger part of, part of this story until next year. Okay, fine. So hang on to your hats with Paul. Woo! Van Gogh would move to Arles in 1888. Oh, he was famous for being there, so I think he's going to do a lot of work there. So this is where he became a master of his craft. There we go. He would paint Van Gogh's chair... Bedroom in Arles, yeah. The Night Cafe, mm-hmm. Cafe Terrace at Night, sure. Starry Night over the Rhone, yep. And Still Life, Vase with Twelve Sunflowers during right. these next two years, right. So like he did like most of his beloved the stuff, big big stuff, yeah, then. right. And then for the next twelve years, he took the Flemish women out of all those paintings, and then they became really super good. <laughs> it was the same same Flemish woman with no arms, right. In each one, same pose. He was a little obsessed, yeah, yeah. But he he figured it out. He was like Roberta. Roberta, I love you. He named her Roberta. No, I know. Of course. Uh, Roberta the armless Flemish peasant woman. (laughs) It's a really Flemish name, right? She's a meme. (laughs) Van Gogh was hoping to create an artist commune in Arles, Mm -hmm. and Paul Gauguin would come visit him in 1888. Okay. And Gauguin would come, and Van Gogh was excited at the idea of the friendship. Mm Mm-hmm. And for, no, no one's ever lied to me before. This yeah. is great. And for a brief while, Paul would stay with Van Gogh, mm-hmm. but it wasn't long before the friendship turned sour. Well, who didn't see that coming? Quote from Wiki. Van Gogh admired Gauguin and wanted to be treated as his equal, but Gauguin was arrogant and domineering, which frustrated Van Gogh. They often quarreled. Van Gogh increasingly feared that Gauguin was going to desert him. And the situation, which Van Gogh described as one of excessive tension, rapidly heading towards crisis point, end quote. Okay. Right. Can't you just, like, chill out? Just smoke some weed and, like, go get coffee or whatever. Why do you gotta be so, like, he's the only friend I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> Won't you be my friend? Be my friend. <laughs> I don't know. You're a little intense. So, all right. We have arrived at the point in history where Van Gogh cut off slash mutilated his left ear. Okay. All right. Let's get into that. So there was something going on with money, and Gauguin was basically fed up and ready to leave because of the tension. Okay. And they were basically holed up in Van Gogh's house for several days from rain, which was not good for them. And he claims that Van Gogh followed him when he realized that he was leaving for good, like he's going to leave. And he charged at him with a razor. Oh. They had some sort of fight, I guess? It was hard to corroborate. I think so. Well, because some people say that he wasn't actually there and that Van Gogh did this to himself alone. Well, he's charging at nobody with a razor? No, something like that. So basically, when Van Gogh got home, he was freaking out. Okay. And he's hearing these voices. Oh, no. And so he cut his left ear off. Oh, to stop the voices? Yes. Ah. He then bandaged himself up to stop the bleeding. Okay. And then put the ear in paper and delivered it to the lady of the night that both he and Gauguin went to for lovemaking. Holy hell. Yep. Can you imagine getting that as a gift? No, I can't imagine getting that as a gift. I give you the gift of my ear. I can imagine. (laughs) Thank thank you, no. Um, Take it. I'm I'm good. I want you to hear me. I'm hearing you with my ears. (laughs) So don't need that one. (laughs) No, but this ear is... It's so Yeah, fresh. but you're hearing you less, I feel. And I don't think you're hearing me, actually. Maybe you should put the ear back on, because then you could hear me a little better. I am a straight white male! <laughs> except my ear! <laughs> oh my god. So, the next day, the police would show up to Van Gogh's house, and they would take him and the ear to the hospital. Um, but <laughs> In separate ambulances. <laughs> 
But too much time had passed and the doctor couldn't reattach them together. I would not think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Theo, having heard the news from Gauguin, rushed to Van Gogh's side despite having just proposed to his future wife. So he's like, hey, will you marry me? And she's like, yes. And he's like, oh, gotta go. (laughs) I'll be back. With a very interesting ring. Yeah. Anyway, it was pretty much all downhill for Van Gogh from here on out. Great. Um, he was going. <laughs> That's our wheelhouse. Yeah, he was going more and more mad. Uh-huh. He was called quote Le Fourou, which is the redheaded madman okay. by locals. All right. He was treated by Doctor Felix Ray, and Van Gogh painted a portrait of the doctor and gave it to him as a thank you. Mm-hmm. But the doctor didn't like it. And after using it to patch up his chicken coop, he finally would give it away. What a dick. In 2016, that painting was valued at $50 million. Take that, Dr. Ray. Yeah. In 1889, he would check himself, I think he checked himself, into an asylum. Oh, before he wrecked himself? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He finally got that job as a rapper. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Um, So the asylum was called St. Paul de Mazol. Okay. Asylum. And this is where he would paint the Starry Night. Oh, wow. Yeah. After a year, he would leave the asylum, and he moved closer to his brother, Theo. His Theo's name... like, no, I'm newly married. Thank you very much. Yeah. You don't really need to be in the same neighborhood. His uh, final painting would be Wheatfield with Crows. And I have to tell you that this painting was one of the most haunting of all of his paintings that I saw. Yeah. I saw a lot of them. A lot of the paintings, paintings that you could feel the loneliness. Mm-hmm. But this one basically was a death cry. Like, mm. if you really look at it and you know... Like, even if you didn't know him, you'd be like, this is so fucking so bleak. Van Gogh, Wheatfield with Crows. I'm going to look that up later. Right. July 27th, 1890, Van Gogh would shoot himself in the chest with a revolver. Really? Uh, it did not kill him, oh. however, and he walked back home. What? It hit his rib and bounced off of it and went basically clean through him, but stuck in his spine. What? Didn't hit any major And he organs. walked? And he walked home. Away? Yeah. From that? Where did he shoot himself? In a field or something like that. Good God. So He's like, well, that didn't work. So two doctors... Oh, it was like 1890, so it was like a single shot. And he's like, damn yeah. it. I really should have brought a second bolt. <laughs> oh, that's oh, fucking dark. <laughs> I'm such a fuck-up, I couldn't even kill myself, right? Oh, God. Uh, anyway, <laughs> two doctors would come to him to help, but neither was a surgeon, so they couldn't get the bullet out. I'm a vet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm an endocrinologist. What? Yeah. If you had a pituitary gland issue, I would be there for you. But bullets, I can't. Oh. I'm sorry. They basically patched him up and then left. They would leave him smoking from his pipe that night. And from the hole in his chest? Yep. Fudge. Theo would show up the next day in a frantic frenzy, but Van Gogh was happy. Oh. However, within hours, Van Gogh would die from infection from the bullet. Okay. His final words are, quote, the sadness will last forever. That's his final words? End quote. Holy fuck. Yep. Theo, who was already ill himself at the time, felt the loss of his brother hard and died half a year later on January 21st, 1891. Whoa. He would be buried in one plot in Utrecht. But in 1914, his wife, Johanna, mm-hmm. would have the body moved and placed next to his brother, Vincent. That's sweet. Yeah. There are many theories as to what Vincent suffered mentally in life, but bipolar or temporal lobe epilepsy are major theories. Really? Yeah, and temporal lobe epilepsy, it's like a seizure in a specific part of the brain, but it doesn't like give you a full seizure. But okay. it can cause you to, to have delusions and freak out oh. and get super... 
overwhelmed. Okay. Whichever one it is, with his lifestyle of nonstop booze, smoking, and bad eating, mm-hmm. that just aggravated his condition. Yeah, it's how he died at 37. Right. Well, also the gunshot wound. Sorry. Right. Well, <laughs> but he felt suicidal enough to right. kill himself. Mm-hmm. So His I diet mean, wasn't helping. No. Okay. What's the bright side? Hey! We we're made there. It to the bright side. Well, I thought around when he died that we'd get there soon. <laughs> uh, so, the things that I came up with is that his life is very famous, and he's a very famous figure with mental illness, and because of it, there's been a lot of medical inquiries into his experience mm-hmm. and who he was, and people are trying to not let that kind of mental illness repeat in the world. They're trying to find solutions to it and help people with bipolar disorder yeah. and 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 f- figure that out so that right. people don't have the same depression. I love that, actually. So, like, the fact that somebody so famous and so talented had something that was also so uh, debilitating mentally right. has uh, inspired the seeking out of answers toward, like, or, or helping other people who have that same kind of mental instability. Right. Or, you know... Uh, or problems. Right. So it's fostered understanding of people with mental illness. Right. That's good. That's very good. And the other thing is that his art still inspires to this day. I mean, if you have to look at the legacy of Van Gogh, the art is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so... I I really do hope that people learn about his life for multiple reasons, including I hope that people can learn, like, dude, if a woman says no, it's okay. Like, you'll... It's gonna suck. You'll feel it, but, like, let her say no and then move on. But you're going to live. Yeah. yeah. Like, and <clears throat> so like, there's a lot about his story that I was actually really excited to, to learn about because I didn't, I didn't know. I just I, knew he cut his ear off. Yeah. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. And this is, I mean, <clears throat> there, honestly, I could have probably done another two episodes with the amount of history on him. Wow. That's how much bullshit he had in going life. on. In yeah. Life. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it's, there's an episode of, um, it's arguably one of the best episodes of Doctor Whoever, mm-hmm. where they actually meet Van Gogh. Doctor Whoever? No, Doctor Who. The oh, best episode I thought... of Doctor Who, comma, ever. Got it. I was <laughs> like, I thought that was a different thing. Doctor Whoever. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> millennial the Doctor millennial, Who. Yeah. I'm Doctor Whoever. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Who are you? Whoever. Shh. I'm taking a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> so, in Doctor Who, they meet Van Gogh, and they, they go on an adventure with him. Okay. And he helps them solve a problem, right? Okay. And as a reward, Doctor Who brings him to the future to see that his art will be loved. Oh. Because at that time, he was not loved. Right. And you just see him looking at his art, and he just has silent tears falling. And it's really tragic because the other character's like, maybe he won't kill himself now that he knows. And the doctor's like, no, he's still going to kill himself. Oh, dear. Because he knows all of the future. Sure. And it's a really good episode. Right. It's really worth it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch all of Doctor Who now. You don't uh, need to watch all of Doctor Who just to watch <laughs> one episode. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm going to have a poll. And it's going to be, should Kevin watch Doctor Who? Go right ahead. Yeah, and I will do whatever the poll says. Oh, yeah? Yes. If you do a poll about whether I should watch Doctor Who... I will do whatever the poll says. Vote no, people. Vote yes. Vote no, people. Vote yes. All right. Now it's on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. All right. But so, yeah, I mean, his his art is incredible. So his legacy, his artistic legacy is uh, a bright side for all of us. Right. I wonder if that, I mean, I, I know that he and his life contributed to that idea, that image of a tortured, like the most tortured mind. To be brilliant, you also have to be tortured. Right. You know, and there is such a strong um, correlation between, like, that anguish 
right? But out of which is also a brilliant mind. So it's like you, but you don't have to, right? Like go through the anguish in order to create great stuff, right? You know, and so yeah, I would I would hope that his uh, life and learning about it inspires people who are dealing with that kind of uh, anguish and and uh, and illness to uh, seek help. I would hope. Yeah. I hope that the that the bright side for people is that an under a better understanding of mental illness and what you can do about it. I hope. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing this to me. I had no idea about Van Gogh. Yeah. I didn't know he was an actual car. Thank you. It's all brand new. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everybody for listening. We hope that you had an informative, wonderful time this week, as I did. Yeah. And we will see you again next week. Keep uh, rating and reviewing, please. We yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the love we're getting. Yes, indeed. Tell your friends and family to and not cut off their ear and to vote for Kevin to watch Doctor Who. I don't want to, but I will if you tell me to. All right, you're gonna like it. All right, bye, people. Bye. Severed, severed ear. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BrightSideKNJ and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website www.TheBrightSideWithKevinAndJason.com Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on The, the Bright, bright Side! side.